Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor, I'm a coach, I'm a husband, I'm a very proud grandfather. And along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've already achieved and of living a fulfilled life by continuing to make a positive difference in the world. I invite you to join me to listen in on the Everyday Millionaire podcast as I interview and have conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some pretty extraordinary results, whether it be in their life, in their business, in real estate, And it's here where I'm going to delve into the details of their journey, along with the paths they've traveled to get where they are today, and as importantly, where they intend to go in the future. My guests are here to inspire. They're here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them, both in their wins and in their challenges, from the life and the lifestyle they live to the person they had to become along the way in creating and building their financial futures for themselves and their families. Before I begin this episode, I'll start by first thanking you for listening in and for your support and the feedback you provide us on the show, as well as to ask you to please continue to send your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at CEO at RainCanada.com. That is CEO at R-E-I-N-Canada.com. And if you're inclined, please share this podcast with your friends or your family and with people you know or perhaps even people you don't know. Rate the show and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, please follow me on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. So thanks again for the feedback you provide us. It's definitely appreciated. Okay, let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. My guest today, Janet LePage, is the co-founder and chief executive officer of Western Wealth Capital. For the past decade, Janet has been focused on creating wealth through well-selected real estate investments. She's developed and grown her business strategy from residential investments early on in both Canada and the U.S. to now a large multifamily portfolio that she's built in Phoenix, Arizona. Under Janice's leadership, Western Wealth Capital has acquired over 65 buildings and manages, get this, over 15,000 doors with a transactional value of more than $2 billion, which is quite remarkable when you consider that two years ago when I interviewed Janet for the first time, she was shooting for a billion. She was at a half a billion. The numbers get big. Janet is a very, very focused lady, as you'll hear in this interview. She's both an author and a multi-award winning entrepreneur. She was named a recipient of Canada's Top 40 Under 40, Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernest & Young, just to name a couple. And she holds a Bachelor of Applied Science in Computer Science and Business Administration from Simon University and is also very equipped as a project manager. Now, having said all of that, what Janet is proudest of is her contribution as a rental housing provider to the tenants who rent her units. She sees clearly where she can make a difference in her clients' lives and their quality of life by supporting them. And without question, she's worked hard in spite of her success in business to create a family in a healthy and nurturing environment for both her children and her husband. Very focused lady, great interview, lots to learn, listen in. Jenna Page, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm happy to have you on the show. 
Thank you. And and mostly I'm happy because we we're just literally minutes before talking about how hard you are to connect with. So before we get into that conversation, because I think it's a really important conversation, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of a background. Now, Janet LePage is on the show. This is her second time on the show that she is uh, joining me to uh, kind of uh, have some conversation about real estate. The journey to, what is it, $1.5 or $2 billion or something? Two, $2 billion U.S. is what we're hitting just around the corner here. That's kooky. So I don't know if you remember, but do you know where you were at two years ago? And do you know what your goal was? I can't re- I, you know, I was trying to think back uh, when we were, but I would love to hear it because I don't know. What okay. It was. So if you uh, listeners, if you were to hear the show that Janet was, uh, got on with me and we had a conversation about her journey, very, very interesting. You were at a half a billion dollars. You were 500 million and you were going <laughs> concerned and you stated that time is my I goal. A billion you're going to hit a billion thousand units. <laughs> yeah, you're going to hit a billion dollars. Okay, that was in I'm going to say early, relatively early 2017. I don't remember, but I I was in. Uh, I I want to say it was cold out, so I remembered. I think it was early 2017, and, and uh, so it was easy to track down. I just never looked at your previous, the date of your previous podcast, and you're killing it. We are. Triple and two billion, two billion, and you're going to be speaking at our acre event. Uh, but this podcast will come out after that, so this isn't a promotion for acre, but um, I know you're going to be there. So, here's here's um, here's something cool. I want to talk to you about how because we started on this conversation, and I love you, and I and I know you, you, you love me too, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I had you at hello. Okay, so the point is this. <laughs> You've been just really hard to track down and get on this call. How many times have we scheduled this and you pulled the shoot? Now, if I took that personally, uh, my feeling would be hurt. So Probably four or five, yeah. I think. I think we've been trying to do it since early last spring, maybe. So here's what I love about the conversation that we started. I actually cut the conversation off and I said, no, we're not going to have this conversation. We're actually going to go and get this handled. We're going to have this conversation right now. Now, if I took it personally, like you say, my feeling would be hurt. I'm not taking it personally because I know that it's not even about necessarily being busy, is it? Because it's not. No, no, But this is such an important lesson for people. This is a lady, a young lady, by the way, with a young family, and we're going to talk about that, has hit $2 billion in acquisitions, and you've tripled in size in your business. You've got, how many units have you got in Phoenix and or in, in the U.S. now? Uh, we're hitting, we're just about hitting 15000 purchased, and I've got 11000 under management right now. Oh, that's not very big. <laughs> Gosh, good for you. <laughs> that's That's cool. But here's the thing about that. You're under 40. <clears throat> we don't know you need to talk about your exact age, but you're a very young under 40. And you're award-winning, all of those things. You're a mother, and you, two years ago, were the mother of children that were two years younger, and they're not very old today. You've built an incredible business and have been hitting it out of the park for a number of reasons. And that's because you're a pretty focused individual. And as we were talking is the busier you've gotten, the more focused you've gotten. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And and what's interesting, I would say, even in the last year, and I, we should dive into yes. this, is less busy. I would say I am the least busy I have ever been. Oh. And I mean that in, I, okay, ask one of my siblings or my husband, they would say, no, your, your life is very busy. But from my perspective, compared to a year ago, I'm the least busy I've probably ever been in my life. And the the reverse of that is I feel the strongest and most effective that I've ever been in my life. Let's dig into this. I love this conversation already because you're not busy just doing busy work and being busy. You're uber focused. And here's, here's where we got to when I was talking about that. And you just said, Patrick, I'm just really clear on the time that I'm spending is it really where it's the best use of my time? Is that a fair statement? Absolutely fair statement. And you're not on this podcast to do, you know, to promote your business. You don't need that. That's not part of what you're, you're here actually to be a contribution, which is really awesome. And that's a conversation we had before, which is you said straight out, Patrick, I got nothing that I need from you on this. I just want to share what I've learned in my journey and, and be of a support and benefit to listeners. That's exactly right. Somewhere along the journey, I started realizing that for me, it's very fulfilling if I can share and someone can take a lesson or something that I've struggled and learned with. And when I hear, you know, someone calls and says, you know, Jenna, that was that that really helped me get clear in one of my goals. It's hugely fulfilling. And so in my buckets of priorities, it is actually a priority um, in my life, but it has to fit in the other ones. And I have to be clear on the medium or the way that I share those things because it's not a ton of time. And so this is a great one that um, really gives me a chance to actually check that box and fulfill it for myself as well. So let's, uh, let's get into some, that's awesome, by the way, let's get into a couple things. So you said from your perspective, you're the least busy you've been ever. You're, but you're saying outside view of your husband, your kids, maybe partners, whatever they're saying, you're really, really busy. So what's the distinction for you in terms of being really busy today versus what you were a year ago or two years ago when you were really, really busy? Because obviously your days are full. Right. My days are full. My days often start at 5 or 5.30 by choice. I'm an early riser. Yeah. I, I like to. And, and and that's the time when no one's talking See, to we me. See, we should have booked the podcast really early. <laughs> <laughs> that, could, that could work. You know, I drink a cup of tea yeah. by myself. I have my two, two glasses of hot water. I have a routine in the morning. But, you know, come 7 a.m., it's it's mom's zone. It's work zone. You know, East Coast is starting to blow up if, if you know, if there's anything going on that side. So my days are not any more full. They are as full as they've always been. But what I fill it with makes it feel a lot less busy. And so that's why I would say from the outside, they say, no, you're, you're busy. I think full might be it. But um, what I'm doing in that time, the amount of self-care or self-interest that I have been able to weave into my life have doubled or tripled from anything before. And the only way that, you know, there's only 24 hours in the day and you have to sleep. So that cuts it way down. um, Is that where I was, we probably had this conversation in 2017 is you really have to be laser focused. Well, I just took it to a whole nother level because for me, what I watched happen 
and I continue to watch happen was I was giving too much of myself to everybody else. And I would have said in two years ago, I would have said the same message, but I guess I continue to refine that and I continue to get clearer. But my health wasn't where I wanted to be. My fitness wasn't where I wanted to be. You know, I, I think when we spoke, I had picked up tennis. It was two years ago. Well, now just this fall, I got invited to play on the competitive team. Now it's division five. Let me tell you, it's the lowest of the low, but two years of focus work playing tennis twice a week. I got on the competitive team. I don't care that it's div five. And do you know that that's probably five hours out of my week that I have to find because I have to get there and play and everything like that. And I'm still getting everything done. And so when I say less busy, I mean more balanced, calmer, feel hugely thankful inside that I've achieved a goal that was, you know, starting tennis at 36 and, you know, wanting to really take it seriously. That's what I mean by less busy. I'm filling it with things I really want to do in all aspects. So, but that doesn't, that doesn't take away from the fact that you're still running a business. So can I give you a soundbite? This is one of the best soundbites that you gave me a couple of years ago where we were talking about deals that you were doing and your busyness and and you're really working hard as a mom to be a, a really present mom and all those things. And I just remember you said you did a deal. I don't know what it was. I don't remember the exact context, but you said, you know, Patrick, I curled up on the floor in the fetal position and couldn't move. You know, it was like you were really shut down. Like it was just the sheer overwhelm or the responsibility or something that happened. It was It was really a big you know, the effect on you a couple of years ago. So here's the question around, and that was just a great song, but I, I, I loved that visual of you and the way you expressed it at the time, even though I can't give you the exact notes. But my question for you is, is this, is that back then there was this huge learning curve, right? You were, you were into uncharted territory for you. You were doing deals and numbers and, and really kind of invent the model of your business. And, and so do you think, that learning curve also was kind of all consuming. And then that might be different today as well. Well, what's interesting is that learning curve is still as steep today. Mm. Every time we hit it, we're going into the next realm. You know, we're, we, we've now moved into institutional level partners and, and what was one channel of product, we're now moving into three channels of products. And probably when we spoke two years ago, we might've been just moving into our second city and we're, we're now in five cities and, and moving into many more. We've over doubled in the number of employees, if not more than doubled in the number of employees. So that actual hockey stick for our particular company has not gone down, but my growth in navigating it or my resilience on my skills have continued to rise. I definitely want to get under my table and hide sometimes Mm -hmm. with probably a bottle of wine where no one can (laughs) see me. I want to close the blinds in the office and have a good cry and a good old gulp of something. Yeah, Uh, It's different. And, and when you're choosing, which we are choosing to grow means that that's it, but, but it doesn't hit me as hard. It doesn't knock me over. And I have stopped allowing it to throw my personal goals and my health out the window. What used to happen is that break me. I would go to my knees 
I have put off everything else because I had to get it through. And now I've really said, no more. You will not get to take these other places in my life away. There will be a way to do it. And that meant focus. And that meant rescheduling us as an example, because where that focus and where my strength had to be to, to best raise this company was in something else that day or that week, as an example. You know, there's a book I read. Uh, I don't know if you read the uh, how much reading you're doing these days, but Tim Ferriss wrote a book a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, whatever it was, called Tribe of Mentors, where he interviews a number of really top-performing CEOs, athletes, et cetera. And, and it was a great way. The way he wrote the book was brilliant, but that's an aside. But in that book, consistently with the CEOs that he interviewed, and I don't remember how many there are, but there's a lot of them, um, they consistently said they say no to more things than they say yes. And they're consistently saying no because what is it that supports their them moving forward, what uh, actually works into their schedule and, and really supports them going forward? You're kind of at that that level of business and that level of achievement where you really do have to consider what you're saying no or saying yes to. And I know that as a mom, a very committed mother to your children and to your family, that was a big priority even uh, the first time I, I interviewed you. And you were really feeling like you were struggling. At some point, I think you felt there was there may even felt like I'm failing as a mother because I'm so busy. And, and yet you built the business you built. And you've now started to say no to a lot of things. And the priority for you is going, I'm going back into my family. I'm going back into what supports me. And that makes you stronger. Would that be a fair assumption in, in your realization? Without, without, without question. And healthier on the inside, and uh, with without question, absolutely. And and you know, uh, when I work with my um, executive assistant, really, I mean, I, I don't know how she keeps my calendar straight because it's it's in every aspect is is scheduled. But I call it pencil scheduling and pen scheduling. And those pen things they don't change. I am volunteering next week. You know, I want to be in my kid's school half a day each each month. That is a pen schedule. That means I am not flying to Dallas that day anywhere because I am in their school. I am going to my competitive tennis because I got to get better. And so I call it, are we penning it or are we penciling it? Mm -hmm. Penciling means if everything works, penning it means it's, it's cement. And that has been a really clear area. And I also have to pen growth time or think time. And that's like, no, nothing can go in there. But what are you going to do during that time? I don't know. Think. Um, I don't know. But there's time where I'm doing nothing scheduled other than working on future growth, whether it's myself or the companies. And I need no plan in that. It's called strategy and it's penned and it's locked every week. Now, and that's just your time to sit back and, as you say, to think. It's actually, is that what I'm hearing? So you're actually scheduling that time in and because that's a really, I mean, there's two parts to what I'm hearing in this all, Janet, Janet, is that I see time and time again, just because of the people I talk to, the coaching and, and rain and all the, it, you know, people get, they don't understand that if they're the source of their success, it's incredibly important for them to look after themselves, right? So in other words, it's the old, you know, put your oxygen mask on yourself first, the, the plane. So you need to look after yourself. Like, I mean, you're the source of the success of your business. You're the source of the, the happiness and success of your family, what you contribute. So you got to look after yourself and your business. And so you actually are saying, no, I, I right now I'm doing nothing. I'm thinking. Is that a fair statement? 
Yes, but what's what I've come to learn is in that no time, in that blind zone, is your greatest revelations. And sometimes I have something that I know I'm going to work on during that time, but it's going to create, it needs, you know, complete focus. I'm going to go develop a model or create a strategic plan. Like I really had to carve out not just 10 minutes, I'm talking two hours of time. It could also mean that I'm going on a hike, but in that hike is when the greatest ideas, when you clear your plate, you create opportunity for new. I don't know what's going to show up. Usually by the time I have that space, there's things percolating in the head. It could be making sure we have Christmas completely planned. And I've got all of those aspects together to we are going to move into the East Coast and I need a plan because I want it done in the next six months. And I, I, I got to think through all of the things from everywhere we're going to have to hire to partners, to trips, to go get the money. Now, where did you learn this discipline? So in other words, are you, when you show up, where did you learn to trust that two hours block of time would actually produce the result or, or show up the way it did? Now, is this just something you've learned or were you reading? So were you coached? How did you get, how did you start to figure this stuff out? I don't know, but I would say failure would probably be the answer. So, you know, when you let your calendar run you, really not a lot gets done or maybe not the important things get done if they're not penned in. So I, my answer would be failure got me there because I would get to the end of the week and for whatever I really needed to accomplish or really think about or really do, it didn't happen. And when you look back, it's because, oh, here's a half an hour here. Oh, Janet, they need you for a few minutes. Oh, this happened. And you get through the end of the week and you've accomplished really nothing mean meaningful and meaningful for what you define meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. That was through failure. And then what I started to find is that I was getting up at 4.30. I was getting up earlier and earlier because that morning time was my time. The other thing I noticed, if I think back, was I loved getting on the airplane. There was no internet or I, cho I choose not to use internet on an airplane, no phone. And I would land in Phoenix and have completed half a week's worth of productivity. And I would think to myself, God, if only I could recreate the airplane in my office, I would look forward to flying just to accomplish stuff. So I believe there was probably some coaching in there, but I guarantee it was failure that said, no longer will this calendar run me. I will run my week. I will pen what matters and pencil the rest. And I'm not saying it happens every week. That, that, that would be crazy. But if it happens 90% of the time now in, in my calendar than a year ago and a year before that. And that is where the less busy comes in because it's intent on every segment. So when you look at your day. So let's just talk a little bit about your day, Janet. Like you, I'm an early morning, I'm an early morning riser. I like that 5 a.m. kind of stuff, even a little bit earlier, sometimes a little bit later, but generally, let's say it's that 5 and 5.30 range. That's really my time. So my wife, Steph, and I don't have kids at home, of course, anymore, but, you know, Stephanie is, she's not an, as early a riser. It's not that she sleeps in really late, but she's not up at 5 or 5.30 unless I ask her to. The point is, that's my alone time. That's really my time. It's interesting that East Coast, because I'm dealing with guys out in Toronto, you know, my partners, I find that it creeps up. It's like 
hey, you know, PF, you're up anyways. Can we get on a call? And the next thing you know, more and more of my time is being eaten up and and gets absorbed. So I'm hearing what you're saying in that. So you've put up a wall. So it, you've actually created a box for it. So question for you, 5, 5.30 in the morning, what is that time for you? You're having a cup of tea. Are you meditating? Are you writing? Do you have a routine in that regard as well, Janet? Yeah, I do. I, I very much, it's probably, I'm not a, I, when people look at me, you'd, you'd probably not say structured. I'm very structured underlying, but I, I can come across very chaotic. I'm fun. I'm wild. But I get up, I have two hot, two big glasses of hot lemon water. Nothing starts before that. Mm-hmm. I boil my tea and it's either one of two things. I'm going to work out or I'm going to do work. That's what I do in my free time. One of two on my work days. And and I know that ahead of time, depending, I start with three lines of gratitude. I have a book and I have to write them. They, I found looking back have been a huge change in my overall feeling. I, I, it sounds, you know, you hear people say, do that. I do that four days a week. I wouldn't say we do, I do it every day, but if I'm working that morning, no phone from the moment I wake up, no computer, hot glasses of water, and I have to write my my um, gratitudes. And they're everything from you know my health to this morning it was I was thankful that my mother-in-law makes amazing schnitzel that is in my freezer that my kids love. And so when there's a dinner that's not planned, I get schnitzel. I mean, when you do it enough, it's amazing what you uncover in the gratitude. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be grateful for something so big as your house. It's in the little stuff that really you start to look around. So that has to happen. Then there's a blank page because my head is clear and I'm throwing up things. I just throw up anything that is on my mind that I need to have done or a goal. And it's not organized. It can be everything from milk in the fridge to I need a six month plan to get east right? It, it, it could be smaller, but all I, I don't even want to stop my brain. I just want to throw up. And then I start my work. Now, this whole throw up in water and gratitude, 10 minutes, I'm going to talk. It's not long, but the stuff that I throw up on that paper without trying to go, oh, is that a good goal? It's amazing what um, you see. And, and I just add it to my list of things that I'm not going to accomplish it right now, but I'm going to do it. And then I move into whether whatever I'm working on. But um, going back to the East Coast and, and everything, I still don't check my email. No email gets checked until after I drop off my kids or after they're out the door, which is eight or nine in the morning. This is still my time. And there might be twice a month where I would allow a call before then. Otherwise, no, it doesn't happen. That is completely my time. So you've built your business really around what supports you now, but you've had some great results. So the question, I guess, is, does it get easier as as the results get proven? Do you get to own it more? I mean, if you're fighting fires, so I, I, I mean, I get that you're building the business and that you've had some great results, but I'm sure that there's lots of fires that you're sometimes fighting or not. Is it going pretty smooth? When you fight fires, do you find that you get drawn into fighting those fires and you have to break that routine for a period of time or do you stick with it? Oh, I still fight a lot of fires. Absolutely. What's happened as we've grown is that the fires that are more day-to-day, there's people within the organization that really handle a lot of them. So if a deal's not closing and it's going sideways at seven in the morning, there's somebody else dealing with that. Now, 
the growth that has come from mine is yes, I used to deal with those fires. But because that started to come out of my life, I had to fill it or chose to fill that time with a new skill set that has to drive the company forward. Because what I found is now that we have so many people driving, for me to continue our pace, I have to be so much further ahead of them in visioning, in strategy, because they're running and I'm, I'm supposed to be out as the barbarian in front chopping down this not yet hit path. And I had to actively remove myself from the fires and add a whole nother level of discipline. Honestly, fires mean you don't have to have discipline because you're, okay, you're reacting. Mm -hmm. Really, my day doesn't have a fire. I had to even have more self-drive to go, I'm working on that thing that's actually going to make a difference 12 months from now. And I'm going to carve out the time and I'm going to have the discipline because those racehorses behind me, I got to get ahead of of that run and keep building because they're coming and they're hungry. And I love that they're hungry, but my job is to stay ahead of them. And so, yes, less fires. When they happen, when my phone does ring in the morning, I will answer it because it doesn't happen a lot. And it's important. But we've grown to a point where we're fortunate that there's other layers of the company that that can handle the the big blind sides. Your mornings are yours. You own those mornings. You know that looking after yourself is is the number one priority. Staying ahead of your team is really important because you're clearing the path for the vision and you're looking out into the future. They're depending on you as the CEO to do that. You've surrounded yourself with a great team and I'm sure that's taken some effort and some planning and all the rest of it. So that's great. Let me go back a little bit before we get too far ahead. You got a family. Your kids are your priority. Your husband's your priority. How are you building this and making this all happen? Well, you've got all the family things that you really care about. You know, do you have a do you have a you know three nannies and you know a, <laughs> a maid? Or tell me a little bit about that because there's well, there's going to be people listening in, especially some of the ladies that are listening to the show. Uh, dying to know how you managed to do that with two young children. Because how old are your kids now? They're six and eight. Yeah. Grade one, grade three. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. They demand mom time. And I and so tell me a little bit about that relationship with your, your children and even with your husband. How does that all come together when you've really been doing all the things that you're doing? So, so their pen time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just there's pen and pencil. You know, when I say the mornings are mine, 7am when they wake up, there's everything's put away. You know, that, that is, that is full family kid time getting ready for school. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about quality versus quantity. Oh, they're please. So, That's so important. So, uh, and again, it goes back to failure. Let's crawl back under my desk crying. Damn everyone that says the should. Okay, I'm just going to swear and say, I damn love you already. I love you already. I, I can't. Wait. I'm going to get heated a little okay, bit here. Okay, let's light it up. Let's light it up. You know, you're dropping off your daughter for school or the kids for school and you're in the lineup and, and, uh, and you hear, gosh, you're so lucky to have a nanny. I mean, it must be hard that you hardly see your kids. And I, I look, I look and I think to myself, actually, I drop off or pick up almost every day. Um, I've, I volunteer my full schedule with both kids' classes. I don't make every single gymnastics practice, 
but I make every third. And when I'm there, there's no phone out in front of me. You know how many moms I look around are parents and they're there, but their phone is out. I'm not sure what they watched and that's okay. I am not shooting you. Mm-hmm. But what I learned was presence. So I do, we do have a nanny and that nanny arrives at 7 a.m. And her responsibility is the logistics of the morning. That means lunches, breakfast, uniforms out, vitamins out. Did they get their teeth brushed? My job is to sit with them, is to help them do their homework, is to talk. Sometimes it means I, you know, I I do have to get ready for a meeting. Mm -hmm. Most mornings, I'm not the one yelling. On Fridays, we don't have a nanny in the morning. And it's like this. Okay, five minutes. Okay, where are your socks? Ruby, why don't you have your socks? Who's got their lunches? Did you? Did I put their water bottle in? And by the time I get to work, I'm flustered. I'm not sure I talked to them. I'm not sure I did. So I started to evolve to, I don't do the things that they don't see as value. I don't make dinner four nights a week um, on the nights we have our nanny. I don't clean our house. I don't do our laundry. I don't do the running around to buy the birthday presents. I definitely know what they are. I don't do that. I don't pick up the new thermoses. We need new thermoses today. I don't do those things. But I do show up and I do sit and eat dinner. And I'm not running around and I'm not tired. And I'm not disappointed if the kids don't eat it because I didn't make it. So I'm not like, oh, I just gave up two hours to do that. That is how I have figured out how to survive that. I had to let it go. If it doesn't matter to them and it's not creating a bond or a growth with my child, I am not going to be doing it. I will have somebody else do it. It will get done, but I can't have it all. And that is how I've come to peace with that. I love this conversation. As a matter of fact, in a boot camp that I was just uh, part of co-facilitated with, is one of the conversations we had was around lifestyle and how do we create a life? What is the context for the life that we're trying to live and trying to create? And it was, that was the exact conversation. You know, so many people go, well, I spend time with my children and I go, okay, let's talk about that. Are you three hours in their presence with your laptop open? And do you consider that really being present to your children? Or can you do two and a half hours on your laptop with them around or alone and then a half an hour or 45 minutes of just undivided. I want to listen to you. Let's have a conversation. Tell me how your day was being present to the conversation. So quantity versus quality. So I love that whole, I, you know, I 100% agree. And, um, it's such an important conversation. I'm going to share a really quick story because it was really impactful for me many years ago. A guy I worked with a gentleman by the name of Michael Reynolds, a coach that I had many years ago. He had a son, and one of the things that happened with him is he was busy, and his son came in, Grayson, and he said, uh, Dad, I want to talk to you. And, and Michael said, I need a half an hour, and then when I come out, you and I are going to go shoot some hoops. And Grayson said, great. So that's what Michael did. He did exactly what he said he would do. They're out in the driveway shooting hoops, and Grandpa and Grandma pulled up. And in Grayson's world, he's shooting hoops with his dad. That was what he wanted to do. And when grandpa and grandma showed up, it was like, oh God. And they showed up unexpected, by the way. It was a drop-in. And Michael said, I looked over and I saw Grayson right away be disappointed because he, in his world, had translated to love grandpa and grandma, but I'm shooting hoops and they're going to want to go in and have a cup of tea. And I don't want to, you know, like that's, he could, Michael picked up on that. He said, one of the most impactful moments I had with my son was he said, 
uh, to his mom and dad, Michael said to his mom and dad, he goes, mom, dad, because I didn't know you were dropping by. Grayson and I are shooting hoops. Head on in, pour yourself a cup of tea. We'll be in in a half an hour. And it was like a pivotal moment for Michael and Grayson, because that was the honoring the commitment and, and actually putting him as the priority. So my point to you is all this and anybody listening is in the, my belief is in the, in when children, it isn't about quantity. It really is about the quality and being present to that. And I think that's what you're actually saying is that, yeah, I don't do a lot of that shit. I don't have to number one. And number two is the best use of my time is sitting with my kids and breaking bread and having conversations and being present to what they're doing. I can't, I, I can't do it all. So, and I choose to run this company. Love that. And I choose my health. I choose my marriage and I choose my children. And when you layer all the rest, there isn't enough time. So you, you have to cut, you, you can't hold it all. You, you can't do it. So something's going to suffer. And so that it wasn't black and white. It wasn't overnight. So funny when I'm talking with my girlfriends and you know, one of them gets promotion and I, my first thing I always say to them is, so what are you giving up? And they're like, well, no, it's going to be great. I got a raise. I go, no, that's not a free raise. What are you not going to be doing anymore? Because don't ever think that a promotion and an increase in money in any company I've ever been to doesn't come with increased responsibility. Bigger expectations. So where in your finite time are you giving up? And they cut, you know, it's, it's like this look. And it's usually a few months later where they go, oh, I've hired a cleaner or I, I, I don't know how to do this grocery thing and I, I can't get it right. And it's sometimes you have to learn through it. But that's the first thing I say to anyone when they get a promotion or a growth is what are you giving up? Yeah, that's such a, you know, that's so on point. But, but, but that's just the truth around it. So let me ask you this because it's so, this is where, you know, in the world of real estate investment and and we see it all the time. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with your husband. You know, Steffi and I are both self-employed. She's got a very busy life. And, and I, and I, and I like the, the phraseology and I'm actually going to incorporate that better. We have a very full life. We're choosing to do what we do and we love what we do. And we have lots of fires and lots of things that we deal with, but ultimately she loves what she does and we love collectively what we do but we lead very full lives, but we're very, very responsible for how our relationship is. Like it's very intentional. We're really clear on that. How is it for you and your husband in, in family and how, how you've kind of developed that relationship? So we both um, run our own companies and are extremely passionate about what we do. And I, and I have to say that's something I really respect and understand about him and vice versa. And we have really interesting conversations because we understand the challenges and the passions that go along with creating your, you know, your own company. One of the foundations that I see we have in our relationship is that you have to choose marriage. And, and I would say any of the people working close to me is a conversation we've had. The ring means what the ring means. It's, it's, you're going to choose marriage. And that means in choosing, investing in it. And in any given week, just like you have work commitments, um, travel commitments, everything else, that is a pen box in, in my week. It might not be in my week. It might be in my month or whatever that looks like. But investing in our marriage 
just like investing in our family unit is the only way you can be high performance outside. If you're if you're in a marriage that's suffering, or you're with your children and that there, you know, one of our, you know, one of our children's having challenges at school, I am not high performing in the rest of parts of my life. I'm not. And I know that. And so the choice to ensure that the foundation and my foundation is my family is solid means I can focus elsewhere. When it is off for whatever reason, a child's sick, there's a, you know, an illness, we've been fighting, whatever it is, it is hard to show up 100% everywhere else. Is your husband in a complimentary business? Does his business align in some way with yours or is it kind of a totally different business? Completely different. He runs a consulting <laughs> company. Uh, That's so funny. Let's, but let's what's really we find really interesting is we, you know, we 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 find endless conversations as we share mm. different learnings about our businesses or or some a- achievement. You get complete appreciation of how hard you work for a win. Like those things don't change in a business. That it hurts when you lose. You know, it was funny. I had a question. It said, "What is one thing that people?" don't know about entrepreneurs and the highs are high, but the lows are low mm-hmm. because you're not at a job where the salary is going to come in again, two weeks later or a month or, you know, every week, whether you've slugged or not, it's that loss has taken all your heart. You put all your heart into that. And when it's a loss, it is ugh, knee dropping. And, and it's, so those components of a, our company, we understand because they're the same in any any company that you're trying to. <clears throat> yeah, I, I you know, 35 years I've been in business, and 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 you know what I've oh, I've only recently come to the conclusion that it's it's in our lowest times that we find our highest self, and and that's the only sometimes the only way I can get through what I'm going through in terms of the challenges or the losses or the failures or the whatever it might be is that I go, this is actually, you know, these low times are where we find our, our highest self. It's where we rise to the occasion as entrepreneurs and business owners. And, and that's where we get to be, you know, better. It's where we get to improve. It's where we get to face the adversity and, and that friction, I guess, you know, it's like lifting weights, right? You get a little bit of friction and you get stronger by doing it. That's, that's the only way sometimes I can get through it, you know, cause I sometimes want to throw my hands up and go, what the fuck? Why am I even bothering anymore? It's like, I'm done. Right. Some days like that. You probably you don't still, have those days. Oh no. Are you kidding me? So guess what my new, my, my, my new mantra is we are going to fail to succeed. And I said, I am expecting double the failures I've seen lately for us to hit that success. Because what I've found when I want to, not in what we do really well. So we've got our main business, but when you want to start to expand that business and grow it, you're going to fail a lot. And I used to hate the failure. And I literally said to, um, to one of my team members, I go, I want you to tell your team that I expect there to be double the failures in this. And double the failures meaning we are not going to win those bids, but we're going to go and have to bid three times because we're about to play with much bigger sharks. So expect to miss. Mm. And don't go and go, oh, we've lost 10 times. I'm expecting those losses. But in those 10 losses, in those 20 losses, there will be one success that is bigger than the successes that we've had in this area ever before. But I have never said that before. I go, we're going to succeed through failure and prep them as part of their job. I expect them to fail and lose these deals. 
I guess that goes back. That's so great because it really does go back. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So take a lot of shots, right? <laughs> and you're not going to hit every shot. So it's 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 kind of goes back to those foundational, you know, little mantras, clichés, quotes that we see floating around all the time, right? Yeah. That's absolutely. A cool realization. Now, tell me a little bit about you're young, you've achieved some really cool stuff. You shared with us last time you wanted to hit a billion. Do you have new goals? Like you're doing what you love to do and when is enough enough or what is enough? Like, what is it for you? What keeps you going? You got your kids, you know, you've, you've got money. Why don't you just kick, you know, why don't you just put your feet up, you know, sit my ties and, you know, take it easy. Oh, geez. You know, that question, I'll tell you another question I, 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 I struggle with answering even more is what's your five-year plan? Because I don't have a five-year plan, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I, I can answer that. The why of why this company is here and why it will continue to grow has evolved. When I go back to the night, I cut the golden handcuff from my $100,000 a year corporate job to just do real estate. And I was sitting on the floor in the dark beside my daughter's crib as she was one the night before I was to go back to work. I was terrified. And my only goal was doing this real estate. My only goal was to replace close to, I didn't even need to get to $100,000 a year, just close. And I was going to be home and not traveling like crazy. And, and, and that corporate nine to five, I just couldn't wrap my head. I had a one and two year old, they're 16 months apart. I just couldn't do it, but I was terrified. And it would, it would be great to say I had bigger goals than that. I didn't. I wanted to do real estate. I loved it. And I just needed to replace my income. Okay. So fast, fast forward five years. And yes, I mean, we've hit goals. I, I couldn't even say, like you said, it was at 500 million. I said, a billion dollars, 10,000 units, three cities. I know that because I mentor that you know every day. The why that has changed with this company is that this industry has been doing business the same way for a long time. And that is all about capitalism in, in the multifamily. And I mentioned the real estate. It's like, who cares who lives there? We're going to buy this and we're going to make money. And what I saw as we were growing is the impact we had on these people's lives that live in these apartment communities. Your, your house is, is where you are half of, much of half of every day. And we could improve the quality of living standards for these folks. We could have them feel safe, have pride in their homes, give them a hand up by doing our We've Got Your Back program for these children so that they have the school supplies and they can be confident um, you know, the first day they start school so they can have a space to learn. If we can show the rest of this nation and in North America, the world, that you can make money, which is what this industry is about, but do it while improving the quality of lives of others is my why. So it's less about, are we going to hit 10 billion, Patrick? I'm pretty darn sure we are. That wouldn't shock me at all. But that is not what's on my wall anymore. Without question, I am here to create wealth for my investors. I know that for are the people. But while improving the lives of the people that live and work on our properties and to share that with North America or the, or the world that it can be done this way and as profitable as it's always been. So I love the vision that you've got and I can feel it in you. And, and certainly cause I'm, 
sitting here watching you as well, I can actually see it in you. That was an evolution though, right? Because you were into it for money, right? You, I got to make money. I got to support my family. It's all about the money. So when do you think you had that realization? Because you then go into Phoenix. I don't remember. Now, at some point, you and Dave Steele partnered up. And so then that expanded, I, I think, bandwidth and horsepower and all the things and knowledge and all the rest of it. But when did you have that kind of realization that, holy shit, we're doing some amazing stuff here. And and let's really, I love this whole concept of if I can make a difference in these people's world that actually improves the model and is a contribution. So how did that kind of show up for you? Was it a epiphany one morning at 5 a.m. or what no, happened, do you think? No, it's a breadcrumb thing. It's. It's like a one block, one block, one block. Um, probably four years ago, you know, um, I started having feelings of it, right? Um, we did our first backpack event and I, I was touring a, a property and um, there was a box in the corner that, that was collecting donations for school supplies for kids. And I was like, oh gosh, that, that, that's, that's cool. But many of our properties, it'd be more like they're looking for those donations versus people donating. I said, why don't we, why don't we get, get some backpacks and give them away to kids that really need them on our properties? Like, um, that would be something I would just love to do. So we did it. I, I don't know. We did 50. I, I, it was a very small number compared to the thousands that we did in the last year. But, you know, a small number. And, and just... The photos that came back of this child just glowing, like she never had her own backpack, not a brand new one, never mind. And maybe something in my heart broke a little bit. You know, that feeling, that feeling inside. Sure. And I have definitely always been a capitalist. You can ask my sisters right down to my child, childhood. <laughs> Money has mattered to me. And I don't, I, I won't, I won't apologize for that. Don't. I have always loved money. So there's no question. When I wanted to be a, a, a kid, I wanted to be a pilot because I knew they had high salary. Then I realized surgeons make more. Then I would ask my dad, you know, is it a heart surgeon, plastic surgeon? I would actually be looking for which surgeon made more. So mm. that was me at in elementary school. And sure. So, so, but there was something in this feeling and that feeling felt really good, but it was a breadcrumb. Then it, something else happened and that feeling felt good. But then you started to see these financial returns because employees that worked on these properties wanted to just keep giving and, and doing more. And you went, oh, like there's a, there's a cycle of life here. There is a win-win going on. And it just, what I, how I speak today about it would be very different. And that the power and the passion and the clarity that I have today would be less so a year ago, less so a year before. It wasn't an on-off switch, but it was, it became the driver of the why. When you're working really hard and our team works really hard, you know, those tough days, you got to be working for more than money. It, it burns you out. It's not, it's not just about money. There's got to be something bigger. You know, when you're running a marathon, it's, it's more, there's something deeper than just crossing that finish line. There's some other deeper goal. And maybe it is just that one time I'm going to say that, but there's something else ticking below you. And when you can find out that tick, you will fight through the hard times. So probably my other answer is when the grinding dark days, you realize that you go, oh, this is not worth the money. And how often do people say that? But it's worth the why. 
So, so true. I love that story. So thank you so much for that. That is inspiring in the thought process. You know, in, in the world of rain, people don't get it that being a contribution in terms of what rain does around education research, the methodology aside, when you're actually supporting people and achieving their goals, it's like, it's a perfect for us. It's a perfect world. You know, we really love to be the contribution of success with others. And, and so I just think it's a really powerful kind of thought process to have. You come by all of what you've done, you're self-made, you, you know, you come from a great family background, but you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. I mean, you came from a great background. I mean, I think your, your, I mean, your parents were both professionals or your dad was a professional, your mom was stay at home, but I don't remember the exact scenario, but it's not like you came from this kind of wealth in, in your upbringing. No. So where did, where did this come from? You know, you talk about it, like, can you, can you identify what drives it? You know, you were, as a young kid, you're, you know, a young child, you're focused on money. You think, yeah, I want to make a lot of money. What do you think? Where did you have any idea where that came back? If it came from, have you ever been reflective on it? My dad would carry cash in his pocket. Like, you know, not a lot. Okay. We're talking a few hundred dollars, Yeah, but he always had it in his pocket. And I remember looking at it being thinking, that's a lot of money. Sure. He just had it. So like if he wanted to pull it out to buy something, he wouldn't use cards. And I don't know if back then you were really, it's kind of like people would write checks. Remember? Yeah, sure. He didn't carry a checkbook. Okay. He would like, so Janet, just let me interrupt. I'm 60. And you're asking <laughs> me if I remember? I might ask you if you remember. I do remember. I do. The <laughs> checkbook. Great. Or my first checkbook. But maybe as a small child that... And he would, he would often carry it in like, not in $2 bills, but in like a 50, right? Like a rare dollar. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a lot there, yeah. but as a child of four and five, it was a ton. And I love that he just had it. Mm. Now, no, to be clear, did I ever wish to be like a mega rich or something? No, but I wanted to have that money in my pocket. Sure. Just that chance to be like, he would just buy that coffee or buy those. They weren't big things, but to me, they were. And he just had that money. And I liked that. I liked that. But, you know, again, when I, when I, when I started this company, it was just to replace income so I could continue to afford the rent of our, you know, house and the car payment. It wasn't some big thing. I I wanted to, I had bigger dreams, but um, it was at that point in my life, it was about, it was about balance and the kids for sure. I, I know that, but yeah. So let's go back a little bit to your relationship. And did you and your husband have similar goals starting out? Or have you just noticed the evolution as a couple that you started to align as a couple more on what you wanted for your life, you know, uh, financial goals and or business goals? Was that an evolution or did you kind of enter the relationship there? I love the language you use, by the way, which is, you know, you're choosing the marriage, you're, you're choosing it and you're making really clear choices. And I love that because so often what we hear is people that are kind of like victims to their life, like life is happening to them as opposed to the choices that they're making are creating the results that they're getting. So I would say we grew together. Both of us actually worked corporate jobs, uh, big companies right here in BC. Sure. Uh, when we met, neither of us were entrepreneurs. And that was an evolution. And I would say it continues to be what I would call a constant ebb and flow because you do compete for time. We compete for time. In, 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 in time, meaning priorities of our family. Oh, I need to travel. I need to travel. Or we, somebody has a specialist dentist appointment. Okay, what, what works that day? And so I don't mean to compete in a bad way. I mean, it's, 
it's navigating um, schedules, navigating priorities. And we have grown together in, you know, there would be parts where it's like, well, my priority is more important than yours. Well, define what more important is. And so we have become more and more proactive with looking further, further and ahead because it's not about one of us winning and one of us losing. It's about both of us succeeding. And that means giving sometimes. Um, It means that even though maybe in your head, your priority is more important, that's not necessarily true because that is not their perspective of where they are. And it's not always about who makes more money. So there's so many, and, I, and I, I'm going to use women as, as an example because it's really women that I talk to more. It's like, well, I'd like to do that, but you know what? If my husband gave up that time, he, you know, his job is more important or he wouldn't make that money. And I look and I think, I, I try to say it as kindly as possible, but there's all aspects of what priorities are. And if you have somebody staying at home, not feeling fulfilled, and, and that's your other half, well, great. You're making extra and extra money. Your marriage is suffering. Mm-hmm. And that person, that person that you love and that person you promised to show up for is suffering. Yet somehow your priority is more important. That we didn't get to overnight. That took some time. That took time and it continues Always to take time. Ongoing. But understanding that different priorities mean different things and that one is not more important, even though one might carry a more financial thing and one carries a more something else. We have to show up for each other. And that is a constant um, navigation. It's an ebb and flow, isn't it? Yes. So, so interesting. But the commitment is there, right? So there, that goes back to if you're committed to. So Stephanie and I, People who know us, I mean, if, if you saw Stephanie and I get into a, a heated debate, I'll call it that. I'll never call it a fight. Of course, I call it a fight. But if we fight, people who don't know us go, holy shit, are they these guys going to kill each other and or are they going to divorce? People who don't know us would think that. People who know us go, that's just Patrick and Stephanie working through their shit. Because there's never anything personal. We're ne- we don't call each other names. We're, we're debating something and what, what we're both passionate about. But we've learned to communicate in a really powerful way. And I think that's uh, that that just takes time. You have to actually give that kind of a context and purpose. So I love that. So thanks for sharing that. How do you get there? How do you get the shit uh, figured out? How did you? you... Know what I was just gonna. I was just gonna add to that. You know what? What in between sucks because sometimes you're so right in your head. Ugh. <laughs> and I love being you've right. been with the kids four nights that week. Okay. Yeah. Already. Yeah. And they really need to do this. And trust me, in your head, you're screaming, well, that's not fair. I, I you know, I had to get up extra early and I've been doing this. And your, your, your ego is yelling, that's not fair. And oh, I'm so right. And you just have to choose to grit it and park it. And oh, it's hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> I'm like so I, shitty at it too. Stephanie's brilliant uh, at it, by the way. I'm not nearly as good as she is. <laughs> did anyone just say, you know what? I'd love to hear from anybody who has a better solution to that. But trust me, I can't believe ever since we had kids, it's like this fair beacon goes off. You had a nap on Saturday. <laughs> That's not fair. So when's my nap time, right? Like it. <laughs> It's, it's not even just at work. It's like the, the fair card. And, 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 uh, but it's, it's, you have to get out of today, tomorrow. You got to bring it up to a quarter, a month. Like the really, when I look at 
meeting priorities and and, and meeting things, it, it's way bigger than day to day. It is in a month's time, these things. Okay, what are the things that you really want to get accomplished? These are the things that are really important to me. How do we fit those both in? Yeah. And 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 you know what? We need to get our son more tutoring and and they've got soccer in this. Okay. How do we make all of those things fit? Because they're all priorities, but you can't do it that day. If you're not way ahead, oh, the fair card goes crazy. <laughs> we have, uh, do you have rules for fighting? Steffi and I have rules for fighting. So if we're going to fight, there's certain rules that we abide by, which is, and it, it is not even a rule we have to think about anymore, but there's, you know, like we, we never ever digress to name calling or, or, yeah. Or being vicious. We never attack personally. You know, that's like, that's not even in our way of thinking, but those are rules that we, I think we had really, really early on in our marriage. And we've been hanging out together for, we've been married for 25 years. We've been hanging out for 30 years. So we've done, we've learned to do a few things and we're both really big personalities, a type, you know, like, and I like, I don't, I, I, I keep score. You know, I, I know what's fair when I feel an imbalance, I want to, yell it out. And I love to be right too. <laughs> but you know what? Being right actually doesn't, it, it does nothing. Does nothing. There's, no, there's no solution on the other side. There nope. actually isn't. So, so that's probably a learning. There is no right. Okay. Number one, there is never right. You're not right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and winning right wins you nothing. Totally. I love that. Jeez, you're smart. Okay. So let's talk about your smartness. Are you well read? Are you well coached? What have you done for work? You know, are you how do you how do you gain the insights that you've gained aside from the experience that you go through? Are you are you using sources like I say? Are you well read? Are you well coached? Are you are all of the above? What do you do to to look after yourself in that regard and and get guidance? Where do you seek guidance? I'm well coached. I'm well coached. Um, I'm not reading is not when I read it's read for for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, for, to be honest, I mean, that doesn't mean sure. I don't know where interest rates are. It doesn't mean I don't know the economics of many cities because I'm watching them. But that's research. Uh, but I mean, so I would read like, let's, that's, yeah. that's, those are just facts I need to know sure. to run my business. Yeah. I am not a reader, like, um, pick up a, a book and, and get growth from it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm well coached and I have both I would say personal leadership and personal balance kind of coach as well as business coach. Mm-hmm. And I, I show up, like I call on them for different things. They're very different in what, what I grow from mm-hmm. in them. Um, and then I also have experts within the industry. I'd say people that are much bigger that I, I look to that those meetings, you know, that you have maybe twice a year or something like that. I, I call on them. And, and look at, you know, I set the goal of where I want to be in a year. I don't actually fit a year. I don't have a timeline, but that next goal, and I'm very clear on where it is for the company right now. And then I start networking the crap out of anybody I know. And now I'm not calling everybody. I'm really thinking through who is going to help me answer A to B. Who do I need to hire so that I can get A to B because I don't know how to do it, but I can hire it or I can coach it or I can bring a consultant in that's done it. And so that's how I learned, to be honest. Um, it's the outward look and then it's filling in the gaps. And sometimes it's, it is mentoring and then sometimes it's hiring 
or uh, searching for those people to get to get through that. You know, the, the reason I ask is, is that, you know, when we look at high performance, so, you know, you know, we're surrounded and, and particularly my wife, Stephanie, because she's working with literally a world-class and Olympic class athletes and has all her life, you know, she was NHL. The point of that conversation is that what I see and what I know with that high performance, that level of world-class, number one, they're uber-focused. And they're uber focused on everything that supports their outcome. So I translate automatically in the world of business, you know, but guess what? They're coached. They have technical coaches. They have somebody that tells them what to eat, how to eat, uh, you know, dry land training, costumes, design, uh, choreography, those coaches all over the place that are supporting them in that, you know, and so for you, you know, your goal, you know, your outcome, you know, whatever, whatever your podium is in terms of, you know, whatever your Olympics is, you know, what medal are you trying to get? What is that? And it changes and it fluxes. I get it. But there, there's some place, and I hear it in your languaging that you're actually getting support. Now you said there's a business coach and, and maybe you, I think you call it personal coach of some sort. How, personal leadership. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So in you've worked with real estate investors for a number of years as well. You know uh, uh, many of them, and some of them are writing checks, and some of them are individuals who want to learn to do some version of what you're doing. What gets in people's way? So here's the thing that I I often see people that technically they actually are really good. They know all the what to dos. They know the strategies. They know the tactics, and they still don't pull the trigger on shit. They don't get stuff done. How important is the overall mindset component of what you do? relative to what you know operationally or strategies or another freaking tactic. Tell me about 90%, 90% at least your mindset of being in action, being clear on A to B and being ruthless, ruthless to find that solution. So I know where I want to be. I don't have every answer, but I will not tolerate a week that won't go by where I am that much closer to it. And there is nothing else that happens in my week, in my calendar outside of, you know, that that is penned stuff. And I have failed in the week of the growth if I have not moved that forward. And that moving that forward could be coaching. It could be meeting with an expert. It could be meeting with a recruiter. It could be, um, I, I mean, it, it is, it's a ton of, diff- it could be creating a financial model to hand over to a massive world-sized um, investment bank because you're looking for money. Like it's, but it's step closer. And that is in the mindset and zero tolerance for being out of action. High performance is a result of low tolerances. That's, you know, that quote, I, you know, I probably don't live to it as, as well as you do, obviously. But so when you speak at Acre, by the way, Janet, I don't give a shit what else you say. You got to add that what you just talked about, you got to fit that into what you're talking about is getting people out of this, learn another tactic, learn another strategy for Christ's sakes. It's just, it's tiresome is that you can own, there's all of that already exists now just move forward. So that's my frustration in, in me supporting people's success is that what I see that stuck all the time. I need to know more. I need to know more. I need to know another strategy, another tactic. I need to know more how, and it's, it's none of that get it done and you're going to fuck up. That's the bottom line. So tell me about, that was a bit of a rant, but that's okay. So tell me about your relationship with Dave Steele. He's a cool cat too. I really, really respect Dave and, and Cynthia. And I know that you work in the background with them. 
you guys, you and Dave are similar, but not. So tell me about the strengths of, of Dave versus you and, and how did that come to be? Because how did you attract or how did he attract a partner like you and that drives the kind of success that you guys drive? And, and I recognize some of the different, certainly the different qualities, but how did that show up for you? And, and what's that relationship like? You know, I, I, when I think of, uh, my, my partnership with Dave Steele, um, we're incredibly fortunate and, um, it didn't start as some long-term, you know, um, partnership where we're going to buy 2 billion in real estate in five years. That was, that wasn't the first conversation was we were going to do a deal. I had the deal and I didn't know how to raise the money with strangers. He's like, I know how to do that. I really like your deal. Why don't we do it together? And I said, okay. And I think about the seventh deal we did together. I go, do you think we should like have a company name or something? <laughs> a website. And so, yeah. and so anyone who knows my partner and oh, he goes, really? We need, you think we need that stuff? And I go, yeah, we need that stuff because I come from a trained corporate background. I'm a computer scientist. I'm system driven. Dave can sell anything. And he loves and to sell. He loves he's it. He's extremely strategic. <laughs> yeah. And he can see in front of him challenges. He can see it. He, he, he picks it up right away. He's incredibly brilliant. We never knew that we would complement each other the way that we do. And we really are complementary skill sets. Mm-hmm. We talk every day almost but we very much have come to a point where we stay out of each other's shop and he does what he needs to do. And I do what I need to do. And they are very different strengths and there is immense respect and we have no problem sharing it. Like how we feel. I mean, anyone who worked with us would say (laughs) we can yell at each other, (laughs) but in a positive way, it's a passion about the growth. And when you're growing a company and you're an entrepreneur, I mean, one thing that, you know, people might know, not know, there's no path. There's no perfect person that you look up to and go, oh, they've done it exactly this way. Let's follow them. There's nobody. Okay. When I came to realize that, that there is nobody I can call that can tell me exactly how to solve this next step. I mean, it's messy Mm -hmm. and you have to bet on yourself first. Mm -hmm. And probably the day I started doing that, maybe I was doing it for a time, but saying, I'm going to bet on myself. No one else has done it this pace and this way. And I might be wrong, but so what? We fail and start again. That's what we do. But you start betting on we know what we're doing. And we more than know what we're doing, we know we can overcome it. And we have overcome it time and again. We will not quit. And neither of us tolerate inaction at all. Do you guys find that sometimes solving the problems is a lot of fun, even though, you know, it's like a big headache and like, what the hell, how did this happen? And do you, do you sometimes get excited about solving the problem or do you find that the the challenge of solving the problem, does it sometimes light you up? No, no. The solving is all the fun. The result is, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, it's pretty boring. I I do real estate deals for a living. It's all about the puzzle. It's, it's the win at the end of the day is it's great. But it's the journey that's the thing that makes you alive. It's it's looking at that and going, I don't know what to do. Now, that doesn't mean at the moment you look at it, you don't want to crawl under your desk for a second. Sure. Then you, know what? you stand up, you dust yourself off, and you go, ugh, this one's going to be a doozy. But when you get through it or while you're in it and you're fighting through it, it yeah, it, it's, it's, it's 
that's what it's all about. So I'm going to go down a little bit, a slightly different path, Janet. So a couple things is as a woman, and I know that you talked to women, you had mentioned earlier that you're often speaking to or with women. What's some advice that you would give uh, other women that you see they get stuck in or, or is there a common pattern that you see with, with women in terms of building a business or investing in real estate that you would say, Hey, listen, quit it, do this or quit doing that. Or is there some common wisdom or some wisdom that you've learned in doing what you've doing that would support them? First of all, I would say, who cares what gender you are? You think real estate cares? Like, uh, why do we talk about women and men? First of all, that's just got to go. There, you, are you human? I'm human. We're both human. Okay, good. Were you born with a brain? Yeah. Okay. Do you have needs? Yeah. So the second that we start talking and I, about gender, the second it's actually coming between what you can achieve. And I understand. I would be the first to say naively, there isn't things. You know, I was at, um, I think it was Entrepreneur of the Year for Ernst & Young. And I was at the back and you had to stand on your circle to go out. They were, we're walking out um, like in a line because there's a number of categories you win for. In the main kind of um, uh, person says, oh, ma'am, you need to go, you need to go out now. It's just the award winners back here. And I looked at my uh, Are you kidding I'm me? I'm a motherfucking winner. That's why I said. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I just smiled and laughed. I love that. And he was just like, oh my God. And so, so, you know, to say that it doesn't exist, it does. Mm -hmm. But did I allow that to change me or bother me in any way? No. And I never have. I am a human being choosing to love to work, choosing to love my children. And I don't really care if I'm female or male. That has not made a difference because I have chosen it not to make a difference. I've chosen that that comment he said to me didn't phase me. I could have gone on some rant. I could have been like, see, look, I mean, out of 27, there were three women. Yeah. It didn't bother me because I won and I didn't win because of a sympathy card. I won because I earned it. And step one in getting out of that is let that go. Let it go. And if you're surrounding, you know, if your husband or your, the people around you are tagging you female, are tagging you weak, put them in their place because that's their stuff. That's their stuff. Gosh, I loved you before. I love you even more now. I mean, that's such, so, it's so true. It's so great. That's such great advice. And um, yeah, there's, I don't know what to say about that. I could go in all sorts of different directions, but I'm not going to. Because I think it's a really good point. What else? What else are you giving in real estate investors then? You know, when you see people who want to achieve, because you're in that place, you're in that space, do you see common kind of things like, or not, and you may not, you know, I mean, it's not your, it's not maybe your, your gig or your thought process, but is there, is there some guidance that you would give a listener about investing in real estate? What gets in their way? Uh, how do you bust through the fear? I mean, those numbers that you're dealing with now are gargantuan. They're getting way bigger. I see that often as people, as soon as there is another zero on the end of any number, it starts to freak them out. What's your, what's your take on that? Look at some people's way. Well, fear gets in your way. I mean, I'm scared. 
I wouldn't say every day anymore, but every week, something scares me mm-hmm. for sure. And really can be really scary for me. What's your self-talk? What's your self-talk around fear, Janet? Do you have some? Is there a pattern you go into? Is there a game? Shut up. Suck it up. <laughs> show up. Uh, that's so great. I think I may use that as a hashtag. So I'm a terrible server, okay, in, in tennis, okay? Yeah. My game is better, but of course I'm playing now with these better players, Div 5, but I don't care. It's better than I am. And so they're all looking at me and I have to serve. I don't care what part of the world, you know, part of your life, but I'm going to share this because it just happened to me today at noon. Toughest part of the game. And I'm like, oh God, they're they're all so much better. And oh my gosh, they're just going to be so annoyed to play with me because I can't get it over. And, you know, I'm going to have a double fault. And here I am, I walk around telling people the three S's. Shut up, suck it up, show up. And I'm about to serve. And I went, Jenny, shut up. Like your own inside is so loud and so mean, okay? It is your worst enemy. I get the fight or flight. So, I mean, if you're in a bad situation, I appreciate the bad talk. The rest of it, this is a really, this is your worst enemy right in there. And I said, shut up. I've made this team. You can serve. And guess what? Every other one of those people on the court, have double faulted before. And you're pretending to know what they think. So, you know, shut up, take a deep breath, suck it up, show up. And I'm scared in so many aspects. It's not just real estate. But I choose to be stronger than my fear. Because, you know, even, and I say this with my children, how did it feel on the inside? That win felt a thousand times better than the fear that I had. Mm. And you, your fear is never, never really comes to uh, fruition anyways, to the degree that we think it will, right? Have you also discovered that it's never as, even if it were to come to fruition, it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be? Never as bad as you thought it'd be. And I guarantee the middle of the night fear is the worst fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is never truly as bad as what's showing up for you at 2 a.m., for sure. So speaking of sleep, how do you sleep? Because that's a big topic for people, you know? And 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 I know that at this point in my life, and I know you're a mom, so you've got kids, and, and although they're at that age now where they're a little better, generally, of sleeping through the night, how do you deal with the restless nights? Do you do you have them? Are you... Have you got a method? How important is sleep to you and, and what do you do with it? Because it's such a big topic often. Sleep is critical. You know, it depends on how tired I am heading to bed. I I like sleepy time tea. When I'm traveling um, a lot, especially when I'm away in a hotel and I don't have my kids because they are up every night and I do crawl, you know, we, we have musical beds for sure. We're still in that phase that I actually take half a sleeping pill about once or twice a month because I call it buying myself asleep. And nothing gave me more anxiety than being away from the kids on a business trip where I'm already tired and then waking up in the middle of the night in a hotel room being like, oh my God, but this is your free night. Oh my gosh. And you're still not sleeping. And I would go into a tailspin and wake up even more tired. So, um, but I'm very careful with those because I do sleep well, but I'm very clear that it's okay to take half of that sleeping pill because it buys me that sleep, but it's planned. It's not a no, because I don't want, I'm scared of dependency or, or anything. And I don't sure. need it. Yeah, yeah. My kids make, honestly, my day is so full. It makes me tired. <laughs> but I hate, I mean, if I'm up at four, I'll, I can start my day. But when you wake up at two, 
awful. It's, 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 it's awful. Um, I don't have any great, great, but I do like a sleepy time here. Something if I need to kind of calm myself, um, hot bath, but I don't stay up watching TV. If anything, I read my book because I find that that kind of puts me down. But I'm, I actively try to get myself into sleep. I don't, even when the kids go to bed and I know I have an early morning, I don't watch a show because that's going to keep me up. I'm trying to do something else that's going to bring me down and darken to try to get me into sleep because I know how much better I'm going to feel the next day. So what's your, do you, do you need six hours, eight hours, 10 hours? What's your, what, what works for you generally? Eight or I'm an eight hour sleeper. You're an eight hour sleeper. But, but I'm now I can, I can live off five, but, um, I like eight. Yeah. It, I've done a lot of research on sleep because sleep has been always this thing for me, but, um, you know, the myth of eight hours that I need eight hours. I, I, you know, I, I was making myself wrong for years cause I never got eight hours to this day. I'm a probably six and a half hours, but I'm, I mean, if I choose to have a nap in the afternoons, cause I'm choosing to have a nap in the afternoon, not because I can't stay awake. That's never an issue for me. So, but my body, my natural body clock doesn't matter when I go to bed. Doesn't it's, it seems to be pretty consistent. Uh, six, six and a half hours. I do not use an alarm clock. Rarely do I use an alarm clock and I wake up and, uh, and occasionally I sleep for eight hours, you know, and that's cool too. That's just giving myself permission to do that. You know, that's it. Okay. So as we wind down, because I've taken up a lot of your time and, uh, and it's been great by the way, gosh, it's been good to connect with you again, Janet. It's been, uh, we got to, we should be connecting far more, at least more than just when we do a podcast. You're going to be speaking, so I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing that. Let me ask you this question, though. You're a great speaker. You've achieved some really cool results. Uh, you have a passion of supporting people. When are you going to get into uh, motivational, you know, kind of stuff? You've got a, have you got a vision for that where you're going to be on stage and firing people up? Because whenever you get on stage right now, you do fire people up, although it's you're getting on stage for a slightly different reason or somewhat a combination. Are you going to get on the speaking circuit and talk about it? I think so. You know, there's something in me that I've said for a couple of years, and I don't know when the time hits. I I will write a book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to write it sooner than later, simply because I don't want to forget the beginning. And and I'm not writing this book for me. I'm writing it because if I can share some lessons um, uh, along that journey of where we got to and, and capture them, and, and hopefully offer that help to someone that that's very, very much a passion of mine. The, the speaker circuit and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think it's in some place in my future for sure, because I'm passionate about it where I am in my life. Um, I'm full. Mm-hmm. And if I wrote the book, I'd need to speak about the book or that, and that doesn't fit right now. And right. the combo doesn't fit. And, and, and I'm clear on, on what I need to do next to keep growing our why, our Western wealth capital why. And I don't have the capacity right now, not with a six and eight year old at home that really need their mom. And mm-hmm. I really need them. Mm-hmm. I need, I need them. So there will be a day. And you know, when my kids are teens, I was thinking I'll be 45. There's so much more time ahead of me to, to get to do these things. And I'm excited about them. They will happen. I don't know exactly when. So here you are, you're an under 40, you've achieved some amazing results. What the hell is the difference between you and anybody else that's under 40 and trying to achieve the same results? What's different about you? I would not want to discount 
there's fortunate paths that you pick. Um, I picked multifamily at a really good time in the economy. I mean, don't don't discredit some of the right place at the right time. Focus, ruthless action, focus. Low tolerances. I picked up from that one because I'm familiar with it. Yeah, to me that that's 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 the that's the biggest difference. I would say that I've had to sacrifice so many things but they were sacrifices by choice. Mm-hmm. It came with consequences. Everything does positive or negative, but I chose this and I woke up every day choosing it. And I have never wavered. I think um, you, if you waver or, or change paths, it slows you down. And those are two things and there's nothing wrong with changing paths, but those are two things I haven't done. I've never wavered from the day I started this that this is exactly what I want to do. And I will not allow anything to re- derail it. Love that. Okay. We're going to start to wind down and, uh, some rapid fire questions. You've been through this before. You may not remember it. What book are you reading or that you give as a gift? What's, what's the, what is your favorite kind of book that you gift or that you've read or even what are you reading these days? Okay. Oh God. Gift, gift. I, you know what? I'm reading a James Patterson. It's a go, you know what? He's a, sh- you know how the story's going to go, but it's interesting. And you know, when I'm trying to wind down for bed, I really, I really enjoy the simple read. Disconnects. Yeah. Gifting a book. I don't have a good answer for that right now. Okay. Eat, pray, love. Eat, pray, love oh, would be one I'd give away. That's a great book. Favorite swear word. Oh, fuck balls. <laughs> okay, you've added a, a little twist to a little exclamation mark there. That's really good. Do you have a favorite inspirational quote? Perfection will kill you. Oh, love that one. I've not heard that one before. Because I made it up. Okay, <laughs> that's good. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you get to the gates? You made every minute count. Good one. What are you not very good at? What stands out that you're just shitty at? Oh, God, you should see my desk. I am not an organized person, okay? I And I thrive in chaos. So even if somebody tries to square away my papers, I'll lose my mind. So your your desk is a reflection of what's going on in your head. My husband would say, I can never finish a task. I do 10 at once. He's like, so the milk's out, but now you're giving vitamins. And, oh, I think the laundry came out of the wash, but didn't go in the dryer. I go, don't worry. It's all getting done. I'm, um, I get it there, but I'm a multi- chaotic multitasker. Okay. So here's the next question that I like to throw out there. Room, desk, or car, what do you clean first? We know it isn't your desk. What about your room or your car? It's my room, but mainly because I like to also show my husband that his side is messy and I go, look at, look at how clean it is. But I do like a clean room. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite tune? Oh, well, my shower song is don't stop believing. Oh, but, um, there's a song called teamwork and it, you know, it goes small girl, big world. They might say to you, who's, uh, who's the artist? I'm trying to think, but it says, it says, you know, but I won't live by someone else's rules. And it's kind of like the, the thing that just gets me is, you know, when they knock you down, your crew will pick you up. And it was as soon as I heard it, I thought that is just me. Um, because it's, it's all about, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a room and they're like, Oh, Oh, you're a girl. Like, and I'm like, 
I get, I would thank God. I hope I, it's high hope it's obvious, but it's like this, you know, you're this small girl in this big world and that's their sight, not mine. But so it really spoke to me that I won't live by those rules. Not the, uh, yeah. So that, that sounds to me like a Taylor Swift or pink, but I, I, and I, and I'm probably totally off, but that's how it landed for me. And I don't listen to either of those artists a lot, but that's, no, you got to Google it. It's called teamwork. I'm going to send okay, it. I'm going to Google it. Sorry, I'm going to Google it. It's a good one. Okay. I love it. I loved your rendition of it too. You maybe should have. Oh, I am a terrible singer. <laughs> You're but... probably amazing in the shower though. You're singing <laughs> away. The kids are applauding. Yay, mom. <laughs> okay. Do you have a favorite movie? Girls just want to have fun. What are you grateful for today, Janet? Uh, well, I told you about the schnitzel. So that yeah. is true. I wrote that this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for the shoes that I get to wear. You know, I'm I'm grateful to get this opportunity with you. It's funny, the more I move along, the more I'm grateful for the smaller things. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's real joy in those. I, I'm I'm grateful that I love my car. I, I I'm grateful that my son is thriving. He had a tough start to his school year and he's he's coming along and and to see that and see his pride, I, I'm so grateful for. Yeah. I am grateful to uh, have had the opportunity to uh, first meet you several years ago. It was was a meaningful time, and I knew then you were a star, by the way. And uh, so it's been fun to, at least from a distance, follow your journey. So grateful to have you on the show today. Like you, I'm grateful for family. I'm grateful for my daughter and my grandchildren. It's an awesome place to be. And um, I'm grateful for uh, you uh, showing up to speak at our acre. I know it's going to be an epic event and uh, you get to be part of that. And I'm happy that you're doing that. So thank you. No, thank you. It was great to connect. Okay, Janet, thanks a lot. And we will uh, talk again. I promise. All right, buddy. Hang in there. (laughs) Keep rocking. Talk (laughs) to you soon. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time... Patrick out.